Today on the show, I have Alix Armour. Her company currently is Meadows Energy, and they work to bridge the circular energy gap. Before this, you had a very successful motorbikes company called Super 73. I was working on sustainability in my last role there. I looked a lot at the life cycle of batteries and the general life cycle of, of the product. And that's when my interest in the batteries started. How are they recycled? What is going on with the cells? So that was always in the back of my mind. And last, last fall, when I actually decided to leave my active role there at Super 73, I had already met someone in Costa Rica, actually, who was working on something super cool that really got my attention. And we kind of started talking to see if there's anything I could do to help her. And that's where she introduced me to the world of biomass and, you know, how you can use agricultural residues for all sorts of applications. And that really caught my attention. So what kind of applications were you seeing? Well, basically what I learned is that any sort of agricultural waste, such as olive stones, pistachio shells, walnut shells, and even sugar cane, rice husks can be used as an alternative to coal and charcoal. Some of them are also feedstocks for biodiesel, sustainable aviation fuel. So that was all new to me. And I realized that it should not be called waste, but can be reused in all sorts of applications. And that expanded my perspective on things. And I loved the fact that with my business partner, Roxana Piffle, we were able to really be an active part in the renewable energy transition and by moving these massive quantities. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of tons and millions of tons around the world for these companies who are really boosted to change their ways of combustion and energy. Are these alternative like biofuels financially viable? Financially viable? Well, there's a lot of incentives. So most of the companies who are working on this are in countries where regulations are, 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 are being put into place. Sometimes they're already in place, but I think there's not every country has the same regulations. In Europe, there's like a common a common effort, but I know in, in California, I haven't researched all over the United States, but California has a lot of incentives that are kind of forcing some of these companies to look at their use of coal and find alternatives. So yeah, I think there are financial incentives for sure that are, that are boosting this. And of course, if one company starts doing this, the other companies start looking at it because they want to be competitive. Where would you like to land in the sector in helping to solve the problem? Where would I like to land? Well, I so far really like working with like just the tangible commodities. So, and also having grown up in California, I've really enjoyed getting in touch with suppliers of like walnut farms, pistachio farms to kind of understand what they're doing today with their waste, with their shells, because right now it's, it's all very new to them. So I love the fact that this is, these are emerging products and I have to kind of explain what we do with them and why. So this is part of building supply chain as well. Recently, I've really, well, I've actually realized that I've always been in operations, but this is a real tangible system that I can build. So it takes a little bit longer to build the supply chains, but I love this whole operational part with these emerging products and building the relationships with these suppliers. So I find that super cool to be in touch with something that is very tangible, close to home in California and doing something quite, quite good. So there's that part, but also recently connecting to my previous career, like previous career in, in e-bikes, I've been able to add the second light, sec repurposed uh, battery cells. So 
yeah, there's, this is a whole other world I actually am exploring right now. So the big question is what happens to all the e-bike batteries? There's already a system in place for larger vehicles, trucks and EVs, but there's millions of batteries that are coming to their end of life and how to disassemble these batteries, how to do all the diagnostics on these batteries, where is the state of health of these cells? So I'm learning all of this as well. And I think that's really, really cool because I get to use my whole network from the urban mobility, the 12 years of um, active in the urban mobility space to connect with my new activity at Metos. So what we do with the, with the, I mean, and now I focus mostly on the lithium ion battery cells. And what we do is one of my jobs is developing business for some of these companies that have cells and are looking for off takers. So my focus now is looking at energy storage companies that use these cells and that can benefit from this whole new supply of cells within the European market, for example. So you're pulling on a lot of your experience with building the motorbike business to now develop out this new. Yes. Company. I mean, I've worn many hats at super 73 and learned so much from, from everything. And I'm trying to, yeah, kind of use what I've learned, but still bridge, bridge the connections and, uh, and see where I can take it. I think it's beneficial for everyone. With, uh, with super 73, was there looking back a pivotal moment where you're like, oh, wow, that's when it really kicked on. Yeah. Oh man, there's, there's quite a few, but I think, and I always look back at the very early, the early days. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was difficult at the beginning. It was, there's, it's been a whole roller coaster. But when I think of Super 73, what I remember most is the time when I was living in the warehouse in Tustin. There was just a couple of us working on building the bikes, selling the bikes. The thing that really kept us going was the feedback from the community and the riders who were riding the first bikes that we hand built. The real pivotal moments was when Jesse Wellens and Casey Neistat, these really successful YouTubers, started talking about us out of their genuine love for our product. And this was really super helpful for us. And we still maintain great relationships with them. And that just kind of had a snowball effect. And from there, we just kept doing what we, what we did well and got in touch with more really passionate community members and have built our, our base from that, from that point on. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing story of, of how that's a hard space to break into as well. Motorbikes is very competitive. Yes. And actually. Now it kind of seems natural to, to see these bikes around, but in 2016, I mean, it, it's super, it was super new. We, we, when we would go to bike shops, when we knock on doors saying, Hey, are you interested in, in retailing our bike? They did not want us because they were still afraid of the, the fires from the batteries. They, they had very little knowledge of it. Our, our form factor, having a motorbike in their shop next to all these bicycle looking things just did not match. So we kind of had to create the space on our own. There were no, I mean, there were no other fat, fat tire bikes that looked like the, the moped or motorbike form factor around. Like now I'm living in Amsterdam. I see a lot of similar form factors, but in 2016, we were the, pretty much the only ones out there and especially in the United States. E-bikes were more for a, a different demographic. So we were targeting just people who didn't necessarily want to be on a bicycle, but who really wanted adventure and to get out there. And that's kind of how we, we, we really touched the cord, the emotional cord with a lot of people. Did you bootstrap that business or did you take in outside capital? Well, we, we had a Kickstarter campaign 
So that's how we started in 2016. That was kind of also, yeah, it was a surprise. Our, our goal was $24,000 and we raised about $440,000. So, I mean, that was also pretty crazy. We had another company before that called Nimble Scooters that was with the same team. I actually met my first business partner my last year of college at Cal State Long Beach. And for five years, we made a lot of the, a lot of the mistakes. I, I learned a lot from them. We had three different products and different categories selling it in, in different regions around, around the world. So at Super 73, we were kind of able to launch with, I was able to make a website in like two days. We were able to just move a lot faster. We, we already knew how to do pricing strategies and, and, and all of that. So, I mean, we did bootstrap. I mean, we hadn't made any money with the previous company. So yes, it was, it was very, it was very difficult. I think we paid ourselves for the first time, I think the, the second year or 2018, when we did raise our first series A. Are you approaching Meadows with an outside capital strategy or is this one just you guys? No, this is, this is just us for now, but it's really interesting because I mean, it started off as, as a traditional brokerage company. And that is a fascinating world. I'm learning a lot from that and from my business partner, but we're also very aware of what emerging technology these days. And, and this relates really to our sustainability background. So Roxana and I both have worked in sustainability. So, I mean, we help companies source these raw materials, but the next steps are going to be, how do you trace these materials right now? There's really cool companies that are using new technology to trace fabrics or putting some sort of, what is it like? some DNA related traceability technology in, in fibers. So I'm thinking of all this. I think we have a really cool opportunity since we're in touch with the suppliers, whether they're farmers or battery refurbishing companies, we're able to work with them. I'll make sure that all the sustainability data from the ground up is available to sustainability managers who have to do the reporting later on. I think one of the interesting things about coming from a brokerage company is how do we create value? So that's been a lot of my mind, a lot of my mind. And uh, I mean, yeah, we want to grow with, with uh, technology in mind, knowing that the traceability with the regulations is going to be very important. Take the lithium ion batteries. There's the whole battery passports regulation that's coming into place. So this is probably one of the first products that we can look into and see how we can work with clients to make sure that the products that they source with our services corresponds to all the requirements for their country. So who is the ideal client for Meadows and what does that engagement look like? Well, on the biomass side, so the ideal clients, I mean, there's two sides, there's the off takers and the suppliers. So for example, in California, an ideal supplier is a, we have one shellers and hullers. So the people who, who receive all the pistachios and, and dehull them, deshell them and clean them. There's a whole analysis process, samples. So somebody like that, or even just a, a large, large scale farmer is a, is, is a good client for us. And then the off takers can be somebody, a company who takes this biomass and either burns it for energy or purposes it and creates pellets or biochar. So those are the types of companies that we're looking at. And we're looking at all of the United States and Europe. So there's a lot of movement right now in all these different sectors. We're also looking um, at sustainable aviation fuel off takers. So any sort of energy con 
converters that are looking at large scale, large scale, yeah, or large, large projects that are needing massive quantities of, of biomass. And when, when that, you find that client, what does that engagement look like? What are you coming into? How are you adding the value? Well, since this is kind of, these are new, these are new commodities. There are some that are a little bit more easily accessible, like use cooking oil. Use cooking oil has already been around for, you know, 10, 15 years. I, I believe there's already a whole system that, that goes around collecting the cooking oil from restaurants. So what we bring is traders are coming to us, clients are coming to us because we're known for being able to supply this biomass. So on top of that, as sustainability professionals, we can help these clients actually fill out these reporting requirements. I mean, we were talking with a client who they actually weren't able to sell their biomass to a company overseas because they were required to fill out a whole report for sustainability. And they were a small team. They didn't, they, they just could not do it. So that deal did not ever happen. So we can actually assist with that, with that part as well. And anything related to the traceability of the, of the commodities, we're super interested in, in working on that as well. All right. That's good to know. So if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you or to Meadows, how could they do so? I think the best way would be through LinkedIn. You can reach me at my LinkedIn profile at Leaks Armor on our website, metos.energy. And if you are more on Instagram, you can always connect with me on Instagram at Leaks Armor. Well, thank you, Alix, for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design and Development. Make sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.